Welcome to the Weekly Fantasy Roundup with your host, Andrew Skinner. Hello, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Weekly Fantasy Roundup. This is Wednesday, November the 18th, 2020. And as always, I'm your host, Andrew Skinner. This is uh, episode 10 of the podcast, a little uh, mini milestone, we'll say. I mean, I'm hoping to keep this thing going for a long time, but we're officially in the double digits now, so yay for double digits. Still going strong. Let's get right into it because there's a lot to cover this week, as there usually is. Let's start with everyone's least favorite segment, the injury portion of the podcast, where I talk about, of course, uh, who got hurt, how it was relevant for fantasy purposes. Uh, The most significant injury for fantasy purposes was, of course, Drew Brees, suffered multiple rib fractures, punctured lung as well. He's expected to miss at least two weeks, but I expect Saints to exercise caution with their 72-year-old quarterback. I think he will miss closer to three to four weeks, especially if Winston does okay in his absence. You guys will recall last year uh, when Breeze got hurt, they brought in Bridgewater, and they found a way to win games without him, so they eased him back into action. And, you know, the Saints have been playing better defense lately, you know, and they got a healthy Michael Thomas now, of course, Alvin Kamara, so... They're playing well on both sides of the ball, so assuming that Winston's not a total plug, I think they take it easy with Breeze and probably sit him out longer than the two weeks he's expected to miss. Speaking of Bridgewater, uh, he went down with an MCL sprain. He's officially day-to-day as of now. He may play this week, but signs are pointing towards him missing one week with the injury. And the closeout injuries, uh, the follow-up from last week, uh, Justin Jackson, David Johnson, and Devontae Freeman, who were all injured last week, have been moved to the injured reserve. That's all for the injuries. Thank God. I hate fucking going on and on and on about injuries. Still fun. All right, week 10. What happened in week 10? I made some predictions, as I always do. I predicted baby shark doo-doo over no soup for you, and I unfortunately got that wrong. I predicted the football team to defeat the gaping waiver wire Vs. What a great name that is. And I got that right. I predicted team dinner to defeat four verticals. I got that wrong. I predicted Shogun Master to take down the trash man, and I got that right. Also predicted Costanza to defeat the Labrador Colts, and he did just that. I'll get into the high score of the week in a moment, but spoiler alert, it was Costanza. Ah, and the final prediction I made, I got it right, but... Did so with a heavy heart. I attempted to keep rolling the reverse curse and picked guy with Skinner tattoo. 
over myself, Turd Ferguson. And the reverse curse did not come through. I, in fact, lost that match and my $50. My score of 138.9, 102.38. It is unfortunate to lose to such a vile, filthy human being. But that's it. You take the good with the bad. You know, the only thing that really helps ease the pain is that I quite literally paid him with his own money. That he sent me a few weeks beforehand in a previous wager we had made. So, congrats on the win, asshole! The standings following the Week 10 matches. First place, Turd Ferguson. 8-2, a.k.a. Week 10 champ, baby. That's me. Despite the loss, I'm still the Week 10 champ, alone at 8-2. Then we've got No Soup For You in second place at 7-3. We've got a three-way tie at 6-4 with the guy with the Skinner Tattoo, Team Dinner, and four verticals all tied. Then we've got Co-Stanza. Football team tied at 5-5. Five five. Football team has won two straight matches to bring his record to an even 500. Put him right in the thick of the playoff hunt. Then we've got Baby Chark to do and the gaping waiver wire Vs tied at 4-6. and six. As of this moment, Baby Chark is tying down the final playoff spot. But there is still room for movement. And finally, rounding out the standings are the Trashman, Labrador Colts, and Shogun Master all tied at 3-7. Whereas in most circumstances, a 3-7 record would be dire. These gentlemen can sleep a little easier knowing they are only one game back of the final playoff spot. We've had teams make the playoffs at 6-7 before, so that's probably the cutoff. So, they're certainly not dead yet, but uh, they don't want to fall to eight losses. Eight losses is almost certainly death wish to your season. So, these three gentlemen are in must-win mode. To cap off the standings, uh, Labrador Colts have lost three in a row now. At one point, they were three and four, and now fallen to three and seven. All right. The high score of the week was Costanza with a whopping 202.18 points. Wow. I usually talk about uh, what players in particular went off for a team when they put up the high score of the week. But in this case, I'm just going to say Noah Fant. That's it. Noah Fant at 4.8 points. That's it. Does everyone else blew up on that team. Holy heck. So cheers to Costanza for breaking the elusive 200 point mark and joined very elite club. Congrats. Lowest score of the week. Baby Chark 93.84 Let's get into the uh, top individual scores now. 
Top scoring quarterback was ugh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers QB Tom Brady. 341 passing yards and three touchdowns to go along with two rushing yards and one touchdown on the ground for a total of 37.84 points. He uh, achieved this stat line on waivers because fuck Tom Brady, that's why. Top scoring running back was Alvin Kamara. His rushing stats were awful. Eight carries, 15 yards. Gross. But he did punch in two of those eight carries for touchdowns. He also added seven receptions for 83 yards and a touchdown through the air for a total of 34.8 points for team dinner. Top scoring wide receiver, Cole Beasley. 11 receptions for 109 yards and a touchdown for a tidy 27.9 points. And he did this for a team four verticals on his bench, of course. And for the first time ever, we had a tie for the top-scoring tight end. Mark Andrews, seven receptions for 61 yards. And Rob Gronkowski, two receptions for 51 yards and a touchdown, both equal 13.1 points. And ironically, both Andrews and Gronk were on the benches of the teams that owned them. Myself, Turd Ferguson, and Costanza. How about that? All right, let's talk some trades. Wheeling and Dealing. There was, in fact, only one trade in the last week, which is kind of shocking because trade deadline is fast approaching. Anyway, that one trade saw the trash man send Kenny Galladay and Chase Edmonds to team dinner in exchange for Jarvis Landry and James Conner. This is an interesting deal. On the surface, you've got the wide receiver one for the Browns, Jarvis Landry, and the running back one for the the Steelers, James Conner, going for the wide receiver one for the Lions for the running back two for the Cardinals. So on the surface, it looks like a little bit of a lopsided deal, but the numbers would suggest otherwise. Landry has been disappointing as the number one receiver for Cleveland with Beckham out. And Connor has just been nothing short of an absolute dumpster fire over the last couple weeks, uh, absolutely busting in a couple of plus matchups. It's really been rough sledding for Connor over this last little while, so I don't blame Team Dinner for wanting to cut bait. On the other hand, I see how the trash man would want to take on Landry and Connor because his team is three and seven, needs to win out, and quite frankly, he's going to have to gamble to do that. So I don't, I like him bringing in Connor and Landry in the hopes that they turn it around and play up to expectation. So, Team Dinner, on the other hand, gets uh, the player with the most upside in the deal, Kenny Galladay. Uh, Despite being injured for a better part of the season, Kenny Galladay has been very productive in limited action. So, Team Dinner was basically targeting Galladay and probably brought in Chase Simmons to uh, soak up 
the uh, valuable reps he has left while Drake eases his way back into the lineup. So just, uh, you know, overall good fantasy football trade. Uh, I call this a win for both teams. Speaking of trades, the trade deadline is Friday. That is two days from now. Next week will be the uh, final installment of Wheeling and Dealing, where I talk about all the trades that went down at the trade deadline. So let's see some more deals. So I got some real nice content for next week. All right, allow me now to make my predictions for week 11, TBLC. I'm going to go ahead and predict myself to beat Baby Chirk to do. That's right, Turd Ferguson over Baby Chirk. No more reverse curse, no more bullshit, okay? Baby Chark's team, I mean, it's pretty good on paper, sure. But Christian McCaffrey's hurt. Chris Carson's likely to miss tomorrow night. If that were to come to fruition, he'd have to start the likes of Rex Burkhead, DJ Dallas. I just don't like that combination uh, in a week against myself. You know, my team's loaded. Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Patrick Mahomes. When you're starting two absolute shit plugs like that at running back, I just don't see you pulling off the upset. So, Turd Ferguson for the win. Next up, I'm going to take the gaping waiver wire V's over God the Skinner Tattoo. No soup for you over Team Dinner. Football team over the Trash Man. Costanza over four verticals. And finally, in the toilet bowl, in the must-win week, in the loser will almost likely miss the playoffs match, I predict the Labrador Colts over Shogun Master. All right, let's get into our favorite segment. Shark time, baby. Shirt of the week. As is the case most weeks, there were a lot of good candidates for the shirt of the week. But it ultimately came down to the gaping waiver wire V's losing by a mere nine points to football team. And when I went ahead and looked at that matchup, saw the close loss. There was one name in particular that stood out as the shirt of the week. And that man, Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas. Two catches on seven targets for 27 yards, which amounted to a lousy 4.7 points gross. Say that Thomas has been disappointing would be an understatement. He's missed five games due to multiple injuries. One game due to an in-house suspension as a result of an altercation with a teammate. On the season as a whole, he's caught just 10 passes on 18 targets for 95 yards. No touchdowns. That's it. 
For a guy who came off the board in the mid to early first round, this is absolutely embarrassing. Heck, this would be shitty production from a flex, let alone your wide receiver one. If not for the fact that Thomas shattered the reception record last season, I'm confident he would be sitting on waiver wires right now. To make matters worse, he just lost his quarterback, Drew Brees, for multiple weeks. Can Mr. 30 for 30 himself, Jameis Winston, help to turn Thomas' season around? That's hard to say. Winston supported multiple fantasy-relevant wide receivers last year in Tampa Bay in Godwin and Evans. So I'm anxious to see how this pans out for Thomas and the rest of the Saints' offensive weapons. But for now, Michael Thomas is your clear-cut shirt of the week. Heck, you know what? Let's go ahead and make him the fucking shirt of the year. Get out your plunger, friends. This shirt has stogged the toilet. Alright, for those of you skipping ahead looking for the Decapitation Nation coverage, here it is. Let's dive right into it. Top scoring team last week was football team with 135.18 points. His high score of the week was highlighted by Alvin Kamara, the top running back. Of course, had the highest score despite a dud from both Jimmy Graham and A.J. Brown and not starting a kicker. Seemed to be low scores across the board last week as 135 doesn't really pop out as a score of the week. The top three point scoring teams after 10 weeks are the Executioner with 1,402.44 points. Victorious Secret, 1,356.32 points. And Football Team climbs into the top three with 1,308.14 points. The lowest scoring teams from last week. 2018 All-Stars, 110.92 he had the aforementioned shirt, Muggle Thomas, to go along with duds from James Conner, Darren Waller. Just not a good week for his team overall. Second lowest scoring team was the Executioner, the man who leads the league in scoring. 109.40 points. His low score was highlighted by Robbie Anderson with 6.1. The Ravens defense with a whopping 3.4. And he elected not to start a kicker. As is always the case, the lowest two scoring teams don't really matter. I just bring it up more so for context for the podcast. That's right. The only team that really matters is the lowest scoring team. And the lowest score from last week was just a shade below the Executioner. That's right. The Executioner finished with 109.4 and the losing team finished with 108.32. A mere 1.08 points behind. Wow. What a close margin of victory. 
well, not margin of victory, but losing margin, whatever the fuck you call it. Fuck. Anyway, the losing team was decided by 1.08 points. How's that? It was very close at the bottom. A lot of people, even though I only listed the bottom three teams, really like the bottom team at 108.32, the top team only at 135, you know. That's only 27 points between first and last last week, so it was a dicey week across the board. But at the end of the day, one team did fall. That team with 108.32. Allow me to talk about that team now. Another farewell poem. Holy fuck. I'm worried that these things are starting to suck. They're probably getting a little boring and stale. But I have no other way to tell my tale. Of the team who lost by scoring the lowest amount. There's been so many... I can hardly count. But this week's victim is an exciting one. I've waited a long time to say, you're done. No, it's not Joel. His time will soon come. That fucking mutant with only one hand with a thumb. Or is it his pinky and index that's not there? This isn't about Joel, so nobody really cares. That's right. Joel is not the subject at hand. (laughs) See what I did there? I feel pretty grand. This poem is Sir Colin. He's just one of the guys. The man more commonly known as Sloppy Fries. Sloppy indeed. He was in week 10. When he set his lineup, maybe he thought it was pretend? Or maybe he had a big pain in his stomach. From eating one too many chicken nuggets. All that is speculation. But one thing is for certain. Team Sloppy Fries has seen its final curtain. Final curtain? What the fuck am I talking about? Let's move on to why the Sloppy Fries are out. Week in and week out. Colin was stashing his studs. While watching other teams put up their duds. Started with George Kittle in week two. Some said, he's crazy. This guy hasn't a clue. Week five, he went full crazy, stashing Jones and CMC. We all thought it would be him chopped by the guillotine. Week eight is when Sloppy went straight off the rails. Yet somehow, with three stashed, he managed to prevail. That all came to a screeching halt last week when Team Sloppy Fries fell in defeat. Russell Wilson was shit. That much is easy to see. His stat line looked more like a poop emoji. Alan Jones and Sanders did okay, I guess. But being just okay gets you nowhere in this mess. The same can't be said for Eric Ebron. So awful he was that he's now mowing lawns to help him make bank that sweet, sweet coin. Maybe the Canadian Football League he could join? But ultimately, the Fries' fate was decided by one guy who somehow missed an extra point try. That missed extra point 
caused a three-point swing. Sloppy loss by less than two points, that poor thing. At least there's a light at the end of this tunnel. So stop collecting your tears in a jar with a funnel. No matter how bad it gets, it could always be worse. Like taking a knee, followed by an immediate curse. Better to lose by less than two than get kicked in the dick. Like benching your entire team for Colin Kaepernick. All right. Another poem in the books. And that one ended on kind of a, ooh, kind of a, kind of a dark note. Allow me to elaborate. A couple of years ago, uh, Colin was in a pool and there was some controversy surrounding uh, a trade that was either made or vetoed. Uh, I'm not sure of the circumstances now because it's been quite some time. Uh, but what I do remember is that at the last moment, Colin benched his entire team and inexplicably started Colin Kaepernick, who didn't have a job, as some sort of protest. Uh, and that was that sent ripples through the entire league, uh, set a precedent because I think I immediately established that look, this is not going to happen in my league. So if anyone pulled that, I would manually adjust their lineup to make sure that they set the best team possible. But at the moment, uh, we didn't think of that and it just stirred a whole shitstorm. So. I, again, I don't remember the exact circumstances, but I do remember that specific move. So I think looking back on it, I think Colin's probably a little bit embarrassed by that. And maybe I shouldn't have touched on that in my poem. But the poem is a roast, you know. And I mean, I've been known to, to cross some lines myself. So why not? Why not do that in the exit poem? So. At the end of the day, Colin, you put up a great fight. You made the final eight. Uh, I think you uh, broke the doors down on stashing guys. I'm not sure anyone had really thought of it other than maybe Sean, who's been stashing Michael Thomas since early in the year. But you started it with Kittle, and you've been stashing like one, two, and even three guys a week ever since. So I applaud your testicular fortitude. When it comes to gambling on stashing players, but ultimately it just takes one bad week to put you out. That's what happens. So better luck next year, brother. Before I get into the email portion of the show, I want to touch on something that I said I'd do last week that I didn't. I said that I would make a prediction as to who was going to win it all. And I did not do that. So, for what it's worth, I would not have predicted Colin's team. So, my team, who I think will win it all, is still in. I am going to boldly predict that our lady friend, Miss Megan, Victoria's Secret, wins it all this year. She's got a complete team, top to bottom. Lamar, 
has been great, but we all know what Lamar can do. DK, AJ Brown, just two well-rounded, high-ceiling wide receivers. She's got Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb running back. Todd Gurley as well. I don't think I need to say anything about Dalvin Cook. He's just ripping the NFL new asshole this year. Nick Chubb looked absolutely phenomenal in his first game back after six weeks off. And we all know that Cleveland is very committed to the run. So, and Gurley, I think Gurley's going to regress, to be honest. I think Gurley is the only real question mark in her lineup. But one of the other reasons why I think she's going to win is that she's the only one that's got waiver budget left. I think she's got $28 left, and the next highest team only has 15 left. So quite literally, as teams go down, she will be able to pick up whoever she wants, and nobody can stop her, you know? So if she's unhappy with Todd Gurley, and a stud running back goes down, she can actually bid $15, and nobody can take it from her. That's it. She can literally be like, oh, uh, this guy's good. Yeah, I'll have him, please. So if Travis Kelsey hits the wire, she can say, uh, one Travis Kelsey, please. And she can set a purchase price of however much she wants. Nobody can do a fucking thing about it. You know, she got the Steelers defense. It was never a weak pick. Uh, kicker doesn't really matter, but Bucker's a top kicker on the Chiefs course. So... The only real question marks for this team are Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson, and Todd Gurley. And Lamar and Andrews aren't even really question marks. Nobody questions their talent. It's just the production to this point. If those two get in the sink, that could be a really uh, high-powered duo in no time. You know, So I do think Todd Gurley is going to slow down on the, touch, on the uh, touchdown front. But again, if she feels that Todd Gurley... Uh, does start to shit the bed. She can always go out and buy someone else. So I officially predict Victoria's Secret to be the winner of Decapitation Nation 2020. On the other hand, I'm going to get back to predicting a team to lose each week. So that obviously won't ever be Megan because, you know, I predict her to win. I can't turn around and then predict her to be loser on a week. This week, I'm going to predict that 2018 All-Stars falls. Uh, now I'm going to say here, you know, Michael Thomas underperforming. Justin Jefferson looked great as a whole, you know, but has shown to disappear in some games. I just feel like Minnesota dominates that game right from the opening snap, and I feel like that game is won. Uh, on the ground, so maybe Jefferson isn't as involved as fantasy owners would like. Derrick Henry going to do Derrick Henry things. James Conner has been trash. Darren Waller's had a couple of down weeks. Giovanni Bernard hasn't looked great in Mixon's absence and has a tough matchup against Washington this week. And at least for the moment, he's uh, stashing Stefan Diggs in lieu of a kicker, though he could easily fix that. So... My prediction is that the 2018 All-Stars will go down in Week 11. All right, let's get to the final portion of the program where I go over listener emails 
any questions and or concerns that may have come in over the course of the week. Let's see. This week we have uh, just one email. It's from Joel Bryant. Should be good. Title is crying laughing face emoji, crying laughing face emoji, crying laughing face emoji. Oh, okay. And uh, there is no actual message. It's just an animated GIF that says, gotcha. Oh, huh. it's Dave Chappelle. Gotcha. I uh, guess he's referring to the fact that he done got me in our matchup this week. Yep. Yeah, you did, asshole. You, uh, you got me. Anyway, on that note, going to shut her down for another week. As always, best of luck in your fantasy football endeavors for this upcoming weekend of games, week 11. It's a big moving week, fantasy, as uh, many playoff seeds could be decided this week. Like, obviously, there's some movement leading up to weeks 12 and 13, but once you hit week 11... You see where a couple of teams usually end up officially out of contention. So things will be a change in this week as some teams, when we report back next week, will no longer be in contention. TBLC. Let's see who they are. So till next time, friends. Have a great day. If you enjoy the show, tell a friend. Refer your friends to the Weekly Fantasy Roundup. Please send in your email questions. The more email questions I get, the better. I really do genuinely love reading those on the program. So please send me your emails. All right. Till next time, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Weekly Fantasy Roundup. Contact us anytime at the Weekly Fantasy Roundup at gmail.com.